Yeah, that's funny. I remember mine and Curtis's first date. We had uh, we were double dating. We had Allison and Jared too, but first night actually we met. They were leading worship there at church, and and uh, we left there and we go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Remember this, Curtis? <laughs> Get a big old bucket of fried chicken, and I had this house on this old creek. I don't know, y'all probably seen it by Walmart and Canyon. If you look when you pass out Walmart and Canyon, if you look to the east. There's a little old red house that's down there by in, in amongst all that's Greg Lair's deal. I had that house rented, and so we came back there and we watched John Wayne and the Cowboys till about two o'clock in the morning. So it started off just right. But if you hear our wives talk about it, they talk about they're going to write a book that says the adventure, what is the adventures of Bill and Curtis, the women who loved them, and the children who had no choice. <laughs> So that's good. It's good to have friends, right, guys? I know you guys have friends, and you get up here and you tell good stories about them, and what a deal. You know, what a deal to have other men to do life with, just like this just like this group right here. This is powerful, and I'm going to tell you, this is unique. Well, you guys, well, we, not you guys anymore, it's we, because I'm, I'm part of this church today, too. I, I moved up here to be a part of this church because I love it so much. And you pay both of my daughters, so that helps a lot, too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You have something really cool here. This is so good to be able to come. And you guys online, I mean, what technology. I think I'm looking at 75 men right now. One of you needs to get dressed. <laughs> I'm kidding. You got a unique deal here. And I just that's, and I know I get, I'm show up late here, but I'm never as late as Jim Bayless. So I'm always before Jim. And he's not here yet, so y'all can let him know when he gets here. But I'll tell you, um, how many of you here last week? Show of hands. What a deal old Josh did, right? What a word. How many of you remember what he said? You see, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not, this is part of what I'm going to teach on today. How many of you remember what Josh said last week? Could come up here and give me a nugget, right? You could come up here and give me a nugget out of what Josh talked about, couldn't you? The ones that raised their hands. Some of you couldn't. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm cheating a little bit. I brought my notes. I brought my notes. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things that Josh said that <clears throat> have the potential to change my life. But they wouldn't have the potential had I not wrote them down in this notebook. That's just me. I'm not saying that's you, but that's me. I've got to, when I hear something that I think is from the Lord, I got to write it down. And so I wrote this down and I wrote several things down, but the two I'm going to share with you is they were in the storm because they followed Jesus. Sometimes we get in a storm in life and we think, Jesus, where are you? Well, Bill, you followed me here. I'm right here with you. I, I, I put you here because I want you to learn how to get out, get through, not get out. I got some things I want you to learn. And we learn them in the fire. And so I thought that was amazing. And he even, he even had scripture backing that up. What a deal. That's awesome. That the, that the, that the uh, apostles followed Jesus into a lot of storms. Some physical storms, some mental storms, some emotional storms, but, but storms nonetheless, amen? And then the thing that really has got me here, and, I, and it's amazing to me whenever the Lord is, is, is speaking some things to me, and, I'm, and I can't quite put words to it, and I hear another man teach on it, and he puts, he puts words to it. But he said, he said that, you know, whenever he was in that, he was, he was swimming back, and that shark bumped him in the side. By the way, have y'all seen that movie, Dances with Wolves? This is Dances with Great White. 
right? That's his Indian name, dances with great white. But that shark bumped him in the side, and he had a chance to go crazy. Any matter of fact, he said he did mentally go, just lost it for a minute. Man, I would have too. I mean, he was about to be a shark fart. You know, I mean, that's really where he was headed. <laughs> but what happened? What did his mind do? He said his mind immediately went to his training. Wow. And that really spoke to me. Not that I'm going to go swimming in the ocean, but I'm going to tell you what, I run into a shark a lot of times caring for my family, trying to minister to my girls. They come home and they make some kind of a comment about something that happened or something here or something there or something that they did. Boom. You know what? You know what we do as men? We go to our training. Is that good or bad for you? Your training's up to you. So is that a good place or a bad place for you? When I have to go to my training, I can tell you it hadn't always been good for me. Not that I've ever abused my daughters or anything like that, but, but I, was, I, I could get consumed by anger. And I could get focused on the problem. And one time the Lord, I know he was speaking this to me over a period of time, but I finally heard it. He said, Bill, you're, all you're trying to do is get the world out. Why don't you get my word in and I'll take care of the world? And I was like, what do you mean, God? I mean just what I said. You're focused on getting something out. You need to be focused on getting something in. Because I win this deal. Greater is he that's in me, right? So if I get it in me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Then he wins the fight. I can chill out. I can relax. I can love my daughter. We can talk through this right without me being angry, because I can tell you, man, when I get angry, my daughters get intimidated. And, and I'm not throwing chairs. I'm not, I've never laid a, hand on, I've laid a hand on their backside, but it wasn't out of anger. You see what I mean? So, so thank you, Josh, because we do fall back to our training. Now the question is, what's my training? And that's, how, that's what I left here with. That's what I was rolling over when I left here was, 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 was what's my training? Great deal. So we left here in three categories, men, last week. Category one was a, was, was a person that had a good time, enjoyed it, enjoyed the coffee, enjoyed the fellowship, went on, got in his pickup, and went to work. Okay. Category two was a person that really identified with what the Lord spoke through Josh, because that was anointed. That was straight from the Lord through Josh to us. Yeah, praise. I'm thankful that Josh had the obedience to sit still a while and hear what the Lord had to say and hear what the Lord wanted to say to us. Thank you, Josh, for doing that. But that was the Lord that spoke to him, through him. Amen? And anytime it resonates in, my, in, in the depths of who I am, that can't be another man. That's the Lord. And I think sometimes we want to make the Lord out to be this mysterious thing that it's got to come with, with smoke and you know, all this stuff. And, and that's so not true. That's so not true. I talk to the Lord just like I'm talking to you, and I hear from the Lord. Oh, I'm about to spill that. I hear from the Lord just like I hear from you, and I know you guys do too, and, and what, a, what, a, what a cool deal. So the so second group, they really identify with what Josh said. They probably even felt a tug. Say, like, oh, oh, that really speaks to me a little bit. I, I need to write that down. And they may even say, Lord, are you trying to, are you, is something here for me? But when they left, they got in their pickup. As soon as they got to work, it was kind of gone, right? It's kind of gone. 
Really never even thought about it again. Probably didn't think about it again until right now when I brought it up. All right? And I'll tell you, that's the group that I was in. But I'm teaching this morning, <laughs> and so i got to be really, really good. So I brought my notes from last week. Amen? So I'm cheating. <clears throat> group three. They had a response to the teaching. They made a commitment. They said, God, I know this is you. I hear you. I'm, on a, I'm making a commitment with you. And they immediately shared it with one of you guys in here. They shared it with another brother. They said, hey, man, this is what I heard from the Lord this morning. This is where I'm struggling. And that's why we have the opportunity after these teachings at these tables. you got an opportunity to share it with the brother. It may not be your best friend, but he's here because he loves the Lord just like you're here because you love the Lord. So you got a chance to share it with another man that loves the Lord. What a deal. That's not the guy at the office that's going to try to knock you off your rocker. This guy, these people here, I mean, the men here this morning want to support you and see you grow. Right? So he had a response to the teaching, made a commitment. He shared that commitment with a close friend, and then he went to walking it out. There's somebody in here that did that last week that took that word and is walking it out today. They're a new man, a new creation. Because why? Because Josh shared a word from the Lord with us. Guys, this happens every Sunday. I'm going to tell you what, Pastor Curtis, if you guys don't know his schedule for the week, this guy, and I'm not bragging on Curtis. This is what he's called to do. It's what he loves to do, and it's what he knows to do. But he hears from the Lord, and he comes and teaches. He teaches us what the Lord's telling him to teach us. And it is powerful in this church. I'm going to tell you, we were churchless for about two years, bouncing from church to church in Lubbock, and 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 just couldn't. Just that's why we. I tell you, that is the reason we moved here. I don't tell everybody that because they don't understand that. Why are you moving down really? Because of church. Oh, are you going to be a pastor? No, no. I'm just. It's important for me to have my family in a church like that. So I sold a home that we built five years ago. Had a hundred acres. Had all the bar. All the sold it. Bought a place up here, a nice place up here too. But to be here, I was happy down there. I, I didn't have to leave down there. But I wanted to be here. More than me wanting to be here, I wanted my family to be here. I wanted to be a part of what was going on up here. This is really, this is really unique. Okay, now then, what are we going to teach about this morning? I need my Bible. Sorry. So we're going to talk about tending your garden, <laughs> the parable of the sower. And I, and, and, and I know you guys have heard this parable many, many times, and I've heard it many, many times. But every time I would read through it, I just knew that there was something more than what I was really getting out of it. And so I just kind of camped out there, just stayed there and said, Lord, I know there's something here for me. You know, when, I, when, when you read your word and, and something, something goes off inside of you, don't go past that. You know, we want to put a we want to put a limit. No, I got to get I got to get two chapters done this morning. No, you don't. You got to get in the presence of the Lord this morning. That's it. Amen. If that's done with one word or six verses or twelve books, it doesn't matter. We want to get in the presence of the Lord every morning. And and, and this is the thing that helps me do that the most. Now there may be some times that I don't I don't pick this up. Maybe maybe. Pastor Curtis has given me a book I need to read, and I may take a couple of weeks off and, and read it unless it's 1,700 pages. Huh, Josh, I'm not reading that book anymore. <laughs> Done with that. 
<laughs> it's a good book, but I'm done with it. But you see what I'm saying? We, we put we 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 put a we put a limit on or a, we just need to get in his presence. And you say, Well, I don't know how to do that. I say, try. He says, knock and the door shall be open. Just try. Just say, Lord, I'm here this morning. I'm up at five o'clock this morning, God, because I want to encounter you. And then just sit still. Or open your Bible. Or sit still. Or take a drink of coffee. But let him know your intentions. God, I'm here because I want to be with you. Help me to recognize that. So that was what was going on in this, in this, in this parable. Let me read it right quick. It's Luke 8, 4 through 15. And when a great multitude were coming together and those from the uh, various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of parable. He said, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he, as he sowed, some, some fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil. And as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell into good soil and it grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears, let him hear. And his disciples began to question him as to what this parable might be. You know, Jesus, why are you talking to us like this? I don't understand. And he said to you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to, to the rest, it's in parables in order that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, I don't get that. I didn't get that. God, why do you not want some to, why do you not, why do you not want some to hear and not hear and see and not see? I don't understand. But it's in the journey that we find the Lord, not in the moment. It's in the journey. You see, there's 12 guys that chose to take a journey and their eyes were open. When they saw, they saw. When they heard, they heard. But just to come and to hear, you know, it's going to, they may get a twinkle. And obviously they did because everywhere he stopped and started talking, what happened? People gathered. Up from everywhere. And they begin chasing him and following him. <clears throat> so he said, to you it's been granted, okay, now the now this this whew, excuse me, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Okay? The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes the word away quickly from their heart. They're on the pathway. The devil comes, he steals the word so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns are the, are the ones who have heard. These are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit and bear fruit with perseverance. Okay? I told you there were three categories. I skipped, I skipped the first one that was on the pathway. I don't think, I think everybody in here probably re- at least received it. You see, but you see the differences there? You see the differences? Some, some left here, and, and, and as soon as they got challenged with whatever, they went right back. They went right back. So let's break this down a little bit, the four groups of people. One is the seed that fell on the path, and we talked about that. They need Jesus. They just need Jesus. Bottom line. They may have a desire. They may be at the right place at the right time, okay? and that's good for them. 
Because every time they get some seed thrown upon them, even though their heart's a pathway, and even though they don't know, that's how, that's how they get to know Jesus. They get in an environment like this. You bring them into church like this, and, and they get around other believers who were, who, were, who were lost in worship. Lost in worship. And then they hear a guy get up here who, who teaches with enthusiasm, and the things that he says make sense, maybe makes a little bit of sense to them. At least... They hear enough, they want to come back, amen? Or they see enough, they want to come back, amen? But, 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 but for that day, Satan takes that seed really fast, and they go right back to where they were, amen? No perseverance. They saw it as a good story without much meeting. But again, Satan takes that seed right from them. Group number two. <laughs> is, this, is this all right? <laughs> The seed that fell on the rocky soil, okay? They heard the word. Scripture says they heard it. They were able to hear it. So immediately it separates them. These are believers. They heard the word. First group didn't even hear it. They just were exposed to it. They may have felt something, whatever. I I don't know. They didn't hear it though, okay? Second group heard it. And it says that they immediately received it with joy. Wow! Wow, Pastor Josh, what a word, man. What a word. Pat him on. Good word. They received it with joy. Love that. Love that. But there was no firm root in themselves. And as soon as they, as soon as they walk out, they lose it. It's gone because they don't hold on to it. But they liked it. They heard it. They received it. But they're just temporary followers of Christ. Okay, temporary followers. When affliction or persecution arises because of the word or because of the change that God may be calling them to make, it's gone. As soon as they face a challenge, the word they just heard, the the Lord that just spoke to them to try to empower them, to try to help them do life, the very thing that he said, as soon as they face a challenge, it's gone. They revert right back. You know what scripture calls that? And correct me if I'm wrong, pastors in here, but it says a dog returning to his vomit. Right? So they leave here. They've had some good donuts and good coffee. And as soon as they walk out there, they start eating vomit. You don't want to do that, do you, Buck? Me either. (laughs) They return to what they know. They have faith. Okay? They have some faith, but they're not walking in perseverance. You got to fight through. This is a journey. And and, And I need to fight through it. And I need to be around other men that are fighting through it. Because that's contagious. You ever been a part of a really good football? Well, any team. The locker room is contagious. What goes on in that locker room is highly contagious. It's still contagious for me today, and I'm 54 years old, and I can revert back to my locker room to some guys that had a huge impact on me. It's contagious, and it's lasting. It's contagious in here, and it's lasting. Group three, the seed that was sown... Oh, gosh, I got 10 minutes. The seed that was sown among the thorns, they hear the word. They don't stay in agreement with the word. They come into agreement with the world instead. Did you hear what I said? They hear the word, but they don't stay in agreement with it. They immediately come into agreement with their circumstances as soon as they arise. The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, the pleasures of this life enter in. And you come into agreement with that instead of what the Lord said. They bring no fruit to maturity. They choke the word out, and the word is unfruitful in their lives. Okay? Group four, 
This is where I live. I, I, I'm always in group four. That's supposed to be funny. Come on, somebody laughed. That was a joke. <laughs> but I do spend a lot of time in group four. I will tell you that. But it's not automatic for me. I got to persevere through it. I got to choose it. I've, I've got to. Ch- I don't wake up in group four. I don't wake up in group one anymore either. Praise God. But I can wake up in group two or three. Easy. Matter of fact, that's probably where I do wake up. If I don't do something about it, I stay there. Amen. Group four, they hear the word of God and they're with an honest and good heart. And I'm going to go into some Greek words here. I'm not smart. Okay. And I'm not trying to be smart, but I got a Bible that has these words underlined and I can look them back up in the back and they do add depth to this passage. That's the only reason I'm doing it because they add depth. I'm not, again, I'm not an educated guy. You can ask anybody in here. Uh, hear the word with an honest and good heart. They hold it fast. It's a Greek word, katecho. And I'm probably not saying that right, but it's katecho. It means to hold fast in a spiritual sense, to take possession, to seize, and to hold firmly. The katecho. They hear the word. They hold it firmly. They accept the word. That's a word, paradecamo. I don't know. But it means to receive, embrace with assent and obedience, to receive or embrace with peculiar favor. Peculiar favor. You have some things in your possession that are peculiar. That are peculiar. I, got a, I got a knife that my granddad gave me, and, and I have a high level of peculiar favor on that knife. I got it as a young boy's handmade by his neighbor. And I still have it today. And I tell you, and I've moved 17 times, but I know where that knife is every time I move. I've lost a lot of other stuff, but I got peculiar favor on that knife. Amen. That's what that means. I want to protect that. They persevered. It's a Greek word, uh, hupomone. It refers to the quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial, but holds on patiently. Men, can I tell you that although your circumstances may be factual, they may not be the truth? They, may, they are factual, and they're there. Your circumstances are real, and we have to walk through our circumstances. We have to do that, but we don't have to do it alone, and we don't have to do it through our vision. We can do it through His vision. We can put the Word of God over our circumstances, amen? And that's what this is talking about. It's not going it's, it's, it's to come out and you, you left here and, and God's called you to, to, do, to make a change in your marriage and, and you're holding on to that and you're, you like that. And the minute you get home, I'm going to tell you, your, your, your wife may not know that you're trying to make a change and she may come at you a little bit. She may have had a bad day and you got an opportunity. You have every right in the world to put her in her place. You can say that with a smile. Okay, but you, you don't have any right in the kingdom to because you've heard the word of God. You're responsible for what you just heard. Now then, it's the practice of, okay, God, I love you. And Psalm said, here's, here's a good psalm that I use all the time. He says, call upon me in the time of trouble. I will answer you and you will honor me. I love that. Josh, I'm not going to get through. So, I think I can. Group one, they don't know the Lord. Here's the application for these things. Group one needs to know the Lord. Simple as that. Group two, okay, they need to position themselves. They need to wake up in the morning and, and, and find some scripture that helps position their heart for the day ahead. I'll share with you two of my passages. You know, most people, 
Curtis, will, I don't know if he even remembers this or not, but I called him up one day. I said, Curtis, where does it say that God so loved the world that uh, he gave his only son? And Curtis just died laughing. He said, man, shut up, Willie. And I said, no, 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 I'm serious. Where is that? I didn't know where it was. It's John 3.16. I mean, it's on everybody's deal. That wasn't the passage I, I, I learned first. This is the passage. This is the first scripture I ever learned, I ever memorized. Psalms 86.11 says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and I'll walk in thy truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. That's the first passage that ever spoke to me out of the Bible enough for me to, for me to receive it. I even, I even wrote a song about it. Now, I'm not going to sing it, but it's a good song. So I even sang that verse. I even sang that thing. That's a positioning statement for me. Lord, you show me and I'll do it. You show me and I'll do it. Give me an undivided heart today, God, to fear your name and walk in your way and help me to recognize the enemy. Help me to recognize anything that's not of you. Help me, Lord. I need you. Teach me your ways. Another one is Psalms 25, 4 through 5. Make me know thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all the day long. Isn't that good? My interpretation of those two passages is, God, when you show it to me, when you show me where I'm not lined up, I'll fix it. When you reveal to me, God, where I'm off, I'll fix it. I'm not waiting to hear from him and to say, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? Is this No, I'm positioning myself way before I ever even hear from the Lord. God, if you speak to me, I'll fix it. He spoke to me through Josh. Bill, you need to work on your training. And I had already been working on that. That's what I couldn't put a word to. I knew I, I knew I was needing to work on something with my children, basically my kids. And Josh said, Josh, Josh made it real clear to me. And whenever I heard that, I was like, oh, God, I, I got to work on my training. That's good soul, man. That's moving rocks out of the way. When we position our hearts, we're, we're moving rocks is, out, is really what we're doing. So we're no more rocky. Now we're fertile. Amen. We've pushed all that out of the way. Uh, group three. Group three is God's really trying to transform you. If you find yourself in group three, God is really after you, really wanting you. You're right there. I, I, I can tell you times when I'm right there, okay? But I can have some ways of thinking off just a little bit. I read this in a commentary. It said, anything less than basking in the center of God's approval is outer darkness. Anything, let me read it again, because I don't like this statement. Anything less than basking, basking, I'm not even saying that right. Anything less than basking in the center of God's approval is outer darkness. I was allowing myself to just kind of dance around that mentally, emotionally, just kind of dance around it. And I felt like, you know what, I'm, a gr- I'm group four. I'm group four. You know, I love the Lord but I wasn't walking in the center of his approval. And, 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 and this commentary said that that's outer darkness. That doesn't mean you're unsaved and you're going to hell. It just means you're not in, you're not in the seat that God intended for you to be in. It's like going to, it's like we, we're like going to Jones Stadium and instead of being in the box seats that God had bought for you, you're up in the nosebleed. You're still in the stadium. You just ain't got a very good seat. <laughs> And so, and so what, what I said, all right, Lord, how do I get out of this? He said, repentance. I said, repentance? Yeah, repentance. 
You need to repent. Receive my forgiveness and repent. I thought, okay, so I had to do a little research on repentance. So repent means to repent with great, with regret, repent with regret accompanied by a true change of heart toward God. It signifies a change of mind consequent to the after knowledge, indicating regret for the course pursued, okay, and resulting in a wiser view of the past and future. It's a change, man. I had to change the way I was viewing Walking in the center of the Lord, amen? I had to be transformed. I had to, Romans says be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. I needed my mind to be renewed. Guys, I, you want me just to continue next week, Josh? That'd be better. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up then. Let's go. Um I had a conversation with the Lord one day, just like we're having right here. And, and it's happened more than once. It's not like, and I'm nothing special. Everybody, we all have access to have a conversation with God, okay? I remember the first one I had, I was praying over my daughter who's working here now. She was probably five, well, f- three or four years old because she's the only one I had. And I'm praying over and I pray this beautiful prayer over her. How, Lord, I just want her to know you. And, and God, I want her to be filled with your spirit. I want her to know your word. And, and God, I want her to love you. And God, protect her. And, you know, I should have wrote this prayer down because it could have been in somebody's book. It's a beautiful prayer. And I said, amen. And before I got to the door, the Lord told me, he said, he said Bill, she'll never know me any better than you do. And I said, no, wait, 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 God, I got my stuff. I I can take care of me. I want you to take care of her. He said, that's not how I work. I've chosen you to be my avenue to her. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I have those conversations with with the Lord, and I'm sure you guys do too. I'm nothing special. But here's another one I had. God asked me, he said, is one who practices sin worse off than one who deviates from righteousness? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely he is, God's got to be. And so you sit there and you think about that for two or three days and keep that question in your mind. Okay, God, okay, okay, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. All right, Lord, what's the answer? No, he's not worse off, but he's definitely more dangerous. He's definitely, a guy practicing sin is definitely more dangerous than one that deviates from righteousness. And I needed to share that with my girls because there's, a, there's some fine lines there. There's fine lines with me. There's places I don't need to go. I know sin's going to be going on there. I don't even need to be there. Okay, and the second question was, does one of those, between those two, does one need forgiveness worse than the other? I said, absolutely one of them does. He's practicing. No, they both need forgiveness the same. So I'm having, to, I'm having to shift my paradigm. You see what I'm saying, man? I had a religious paradigm built up in my mind, and, I, and it was keeping me trapped in group three at times because the weeds and, and your weeds will be different from my weeds. Maybe some of them will be the same, but those were some of the weeds, the ways of thinking that I had that, <clears throat> that were hard to recognize unless I got quiet and got in the presence of God, right? The last question was, which one needs Jesus the most? I said, well, the sinner needs him the most. <laughs> no, wrong again, Bill. They both need me the same. The righteous man, even the one that's walking in righteousness, needs me the same as the one who's practicing sin. I was like, God, that doesn't, no, that can't be right. What about all the work I've done? Oh, no. That didn't just come out of my mouth, did it? Yeah, it did. And this is the first time I've said it in public. But you get those ways of thinking, and they get trapped inside of you, and guess what? That's your training. 
you got to be careful with that stuff. And so we get into a group like this where we have a chance to shine light on some things. And that helps us out of group three. And what's God's goal for us? Group four. Don't you think he wants you to be have a huge harvest? Don't you think he wants to have a harvest through you? A huge harvest through you. That's what it says, what the word says, a huge. Group four are men that are walking it out. They're walking this deal out. They're staying there. You know, C- Cody Bell asked me yesterday, that wasn't mean to pray constantly. I said, well, I think it means to pray constantly. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said, I get it, but I can only go about two minutes. I said, okay. I said, okay. Well, you can, you can worship. Uh, you can pray in tongues. You can, uh, you can read. You can sing. You can, do, you can do whatever you want to do, but you stay in the presence of God is how I interpret that. I stay in communication with him. You know, and, and I, call on, I call on people just like you guys have jobs and do things. I quote scripture in my heart 98% of the time before I go in, in, into a feed yard. Dang near 100, but I won't say 100 because I'm sure there's a couple of times I've missed. That's, to me, that's, that's staying in the presence of the Lord. Group four stays in the presence of the Lord and you have to fight for it. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing. It's a great thing. It's a simple thing. But for some reason, it's not easy. But it's still simple. And it happens like that when we choose it. Amen? When Jesus speaks to me, I respond. I have that mindset. Jesus, if you speak to me, I'm going to respond immediately. I may be down here at the altar on Sunday morning. I may be wherever. But I decided a long time ago, if I think God's talking to me, I'm, making, I'm doing something. I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to come, I'm going to, I'm going to make a check. I come to the, whatever it is. I'm going to do something. When you speak to me, God, I'm doing something. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to talk to somebody else about it. I'm going to share it. I want to tell my wife. <clears throat> you see, I position my heart. I receive forgiveness and I repent. I protect what he speaks to me. That's group four. When I tend my garden, men, When I tend my garden, my mind is renewed. When I tend my garden, I'm transformed. When I tend my garden and the seed that God plants in me becomes fruitful. When I tend my garden, God has his way with me. When I tend my garden. When I tend my garden, the word of God becomes flesh. And I'm not not building me up or you up. That's how it works. Jesus wants to be alive in you. You need, to, you need to speak some of that. God, I want you alive in me. And when he comes alive in you, give him the glory. Give him the glory. When I tend my garden, I'm, I, his word becomes flesh in me. His word becomes my flesh. All right, my flesh becomes his word, however, that's, however that needs to be said. But I think you understand what I mean. All right, I'm going to close with this. Footpath people, they refuse to believe God's message. The people on the path, they just refuse to believe God's message. It's not, it doesn't mean they're going to stay there, but that means that's where they're at. They're just refusing at that point in time to believe God's message. And there's, there's a bunch of people out there like that. Okay? Rocky soil people, like many in the crowds who follow Jesus, they believe his message, but they never get around to doing anything about it. They heard it here at men's group, talked about it for a second, left here, and it was done. And guys, I can be in that group too. I'm not, I can, 
Yes. The thorn patch people. They're overcome by worries and the lure of materialism, and they leave no room in their lives for God. There's no margin. There's no margin. Their lives are so taken up with the things that they are pursuing or the things that they're worried about or the things that have, them, have consumed them, whether it's good or bad stuff. There's just no margin. And they're so focused on that that the weeds have overtaken them. Good soil people. In contrast to all other groups, they follow Jesus no matter what the cost. They say yes and amen before they ever even know what, what the Lord might be speaking to them. They take a position. It says, God, you speak it and I'll do it. You speak it, I'll do it. You show me, I'll change it, I'll fix it. You reveal to me, I'll, I'll, I, I will confess it and I will receive your forgiveness and I will repent from that. Men, we need to ask ourselves, which group am I in? And we also need to understand this. I find that I can be in group two on tithing, group four on worship, and group three when Curtis is teaching. I know I'm the only one jacked up in here. But I want you to understand that, yes, I am a man of God, but, but, but he wants me to be group four in my worship. Oh, come on. He wants me to be group four in my tithing. He wants me to be group four in when I'm up here doing this. He wants me to group, be group four when I go home and, and take my boots off and I'm just a husband to my wife. He wants me to be group four when my daughter comes home and she's had a hard day and, and some kids have been tough on her or whatever. He wants me to be group four there. I got an opportunity to lead her to the Lord. You know, when I'd really rather go rip somebody's head off, honestly, and probably have every right in the world to do it. When I really want to go down there and just let, let somebody have it. And I'm not, saying that's a, I'm not saying that's off the chart. I'm just saying that we need to do it from a group four position. Because the Lord wants to use us to do what? Have a harvest. All right, man, let me pray for us. God, we love you this morning. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for these men that are here. And, and God, I just pray that your seed goes uh, to fertile ground, Lord God, and then we, we tend our garden, Lord God, to hear from you. Thank you for Harvest Connection. Thank you for Pastor Curtis and Pastor Josh and Pastor Brett and Pastor Matt and, and Lord, the, and Eloise, Pastor Eloise, Lord God, and what you speak through them and what you do. And I just praise you for them, Father. In Jesus' holy name, amen.